We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder, Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with Steve Ribeiro, Little Stevie. And we're here for our newest edition of the Rams Talk Radio podcast. Before we get in with our guests... Right away, I want to ask you to head over to iTunes because it's that five-star review if you think we deserve it, okay? We are in a contest, five-star reviews. Once we get to 100, we're going to send out a $50 gift certificate to NFLShop.com. It could really help us with the charts. Also, you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM. Do I need to keep going? Oh, and now we're on IE Beat Radio in Los Angeles on Wednesday mornings, Saturday mornings, and Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Okay, appearing today as part of our tour run the league is Ron Court, 
from Mile High Radio Talk about the Denver Broncos moves this season. And then we're going to sit down with Brandon Hazlett from the Bears Brothers podcast to discuss where the Bears are in their rebuild. Before we get there, folks, we're here proud to say that we have a new sponsor. And it's one we're actually quite familiar with. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams history with a bit of a personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. As we approach Father's Day, check out his son's story of his father, and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com or on Twitter. You can check him out there at Hollywood's Team. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood's Team through various other booksellers on the internet. Folks, I read this book from cover to cover. It's worth every penny for all the Rams fans out there. It's also a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. So again, folks, trust me, check it out. Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. All right, our first guest from MileHighSports.com is Ronnie Court. He serves as the host for the Bronco Blitz podcast. Welcome to the show, Ronnie. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Well, we've got a lot to talk to you about. Immediately, I want to jump into this. The Broncos were, they had some problems last year, especially offensively. Uh, what were some of the biggest challenges faced the Broncos entering the 2018 offseason? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, you could say that they've, uh, they had a lot of problems uh, last year. Uh, quarterback was the number one thing. You know, you, you just, you couldn't go into year number three of this whole Simeon, Brock Osweiler, Mark Sanchez experiment for a little second there. You had to find the guy and you had to find stability at the position. They found it in Case Keenum. Uh, he's certainly not the long-term guy. The two-year deal with Denver is is all proof right there. Uh, but they found the short-term bridge. So certainly it's going to be interesting to see how good they are under Case Keenum. I would have liked to see them pursue that franchise quarterback, and I'm sure we'll get into that uh, a little bit later in the uh, in the podcast uh, in the NFL draft. But certainly finding that stability with Case Keenum it was huge. Decisions with certain veterans. Akeem Talib was going to be a big one. Uh, obviously, now uh, moving on uh, to his greater pastures, but trying to finish off per se. Uh, the the uh, what's the good word for it the the recycling of talent moving from the all in phase that Denver was under in the 2014 2015 season. Look, they went all in to win a Super Bowl under Peyton Manning. It worked, and they won a Super Bowl. But you were going to face uh, a, a blowback and issues from that situation when you go in all in on these big contracts with veterans, and and you have to kind of. Uh, neander around that after the fact. The salary cap is the thing in the NFL. So certainly it, it's it's trying to rebound from that to set a new horizon and a new future. And, and I think Denver did fairly well this offseason. We, we talked about Case a little bit. Obviously a guy me and Derek are very familiar with. The guy I love personally, and I think you will grow to love too. Are you guys, you know, if assuming you weren't going to draft a quarterback in the draft, obviously we can't assume that, but are you okay with Case Keenum as the guy that you guys chose in the offseason and also was there any positions that you thought should have been addressed that were not and are still kind of holes on the roster 
Well, let's start with Case Keenum. Uh, I, I don't think you're fooling anybody when you say Case Keenum's, uh, you know, a, a guy who's going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You know, I, I, he is what he is. He's a good bridge. Uh, he's maybe in some instances a great bridge. I just don't think you're going to get to the promised land, and he's the type of guy that you can look in the eye and say, I'm going to win a Super Bowl with that guy. Uh, would have liked to see them address quarterback uh, in the NFL draft, particularly at the number five position with a guy I liked a lot, Josh Rosen. He was available at the time, uh, but certainly certain things fell in certain ways to where uh, Denver was uh, was really never D- – Denver was interested in quarterbacks. Uh, Sam Darnold was the guy. That was John Elway's guy. Outside of Darnold, the plan was to essentially trade down. They never got to that plan because Bradley Chubb falls to them at five. So uh, certainly, uh, you know, you could say it was a a, a good pick there at five. I think I would have rather had had seen Rosen there, but would have liked to see them address the tight end position. That has been a weakness for Denver for years and years and years. You could say the last best tight end to play for them really was Julius Thomas, Thomas and that was yeah. the Manning yeah. years. Yeah, uh, they they really didn't have very much production from them all from the get go altogether. You go into the draft with a, a a room that has very little experience: Jeff Hireman, Austin Trailer. I mean, these are guys that nobody really knows. Uh, and you pick up Troy Fumagalli in the fifth round as a later round pick, and that's great. Jake Butt we didn't see last year from the draft, but the, would have liked to see them bring in a veteran presence. You know, a, a guy that uh, at least can show these guys around and show them the ways of being in an NFL uh, tight end, or, or or retaining a Virgil Green who now is off, uh, obviously to a division rival. So certainly going to be um, they're weak there. They're still weak there. But I think when you talk about the biggest positions, particularly quarterback, Denver did fill that role. So you mentioned the tight ends being an issue there, quarterback. What were some of the other positions that still need to be improved on the roster? Well, corner, uh, as far as actually still needing improvement, they still need an offensive lineman, you know, and and they went back and forth. We went over and over again over Quentin Nelson. If that's the guy you want to take at five, is it too high for a guard? He's still like that right guard position. Right tackle is likely uh, likely solved with Jared Valdir in the trade with Arizona. But that's a guy who hasn't been healthy last couple years. And to find depth there would have been valuable for Denver. So certainly at the line, a little bit of an issue. They may see a little bit of a need at uh, a, a not so much the, the halfback position as far as depth, but now now with experience, you know, and you lose C.A.J. Anderson, you you have a bunch of new guys and rookies, and it's just, it's a very inexperienced crop now all, all together, and I think this kind of ties hand in hand with kind of that rebuilding from what was a bunch of the veterans in the Manning era, now moving towards this younger uh, generation trying to uh, uh, collect some wins for Denver. So uh, their biggest weakness was quarterback. Corner at the third position. Wide receiver was also a, a little bit of a need. I think they filled that with Cortland Sutton, the uh, uh, SMU wide receiver in the second round, and and certainly is not going to be a guy who's going to come in and, you know, catch 1,200 yards right off the bat, but can be that big body red zone guy and, and learn under Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, who uh, I've talked to a little bit about Sutton and, and have both. It's always interesting not to get off track here, but talking to veterans about coaching up young players in the league. And these guys are very embracive about 
making sure that Sutton is not only growing in the league to benefit the Broncos in the future, but showing them the right way to be a pro. And and I think there's this there's this funny expectation that fans have that all veterans do that, and that's just not the case. Uh, but they certainly have that here in Denver, and and uh, you know you could say that Cortland Sutton was their replacement for Demarius Thomas in two years. So we touched on the Bradley Chubb pick a little bit. You think the decision to take him at five was based on a best player available type of thing that they thought he was that much better than the quarterbacks on the board? Or do you maybe think that, you know, we talked about Case Keenan being a good bridge. I'm sure he is. You think that they're okay with him for now and that maybe they still want to see something out of Chad Kelly and Paxton Lynch? Well, there's a little bit to that second part, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, look, they they did mocks for weeks prior to the draft, and they never expected Bradley Chubb to be there. And when he fell to them at five, that was, to them, this golden opportunity to, A, uh, easily move on from a guy like Shane Ray. And I'm not saying that the Shane Ray experiment is over in Denver yet, uh, but obviously they did not pick up his option. Uh, but to pair him with Von Miller is great. And and John Elway has said this over and over and over again to the media here in Denver. He does not want to stray away from their strength in the defense to fix the offense. He has always wanted to make sure that their strength continues to be that. And the Bradley Chubb pick is proof for that. It, it was the best player available. Uh, you have to say Denver got very lucky in, in the realm of grabbing the best pass rusher at number five. That generally doesn't happen. But I've always been under the kind of thought process that if you don't have a franchise quarterback, you are nothing in the NFL. And while Case Keenum may deliver you good results, are they going to be great enough to overcome some of these other, you know, is he going to be outdueling the best in the AFC? You know, Brady, Roethlisberger, you know, up and coming guys. So uh, it, it certainly is going to be a hurdle, I think, that Denver still battles throughout the season and in the future. But The idea, and Emmanuel Sanders spoke about this about a week ago, is the idea that they are now going into the training camp process, preseason and the regular season, with just the fact that they know who their guy is. They don't have a quarterback competition anymore. Is so refreshing because for the last, you know, two years, there's that saying where uh, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterback, you know, And, and that's kind of the case that Denver was at. And now that they have it in case... Uh, the Chubb pick was a good one because I don't think you wanted to generate that discussion again after dealing with it for the past three years post-Manning. All right. Well, two things. A, I know where you're at. They're course field. Go Angels. I have to throw that out there. But also, and talk about Case Keenum. Well, we, we know him well. He's he's going to give you guys, he's going to give you time to throw the ball because he is very good at moving away from pressure, so on and so forth. It's what helped the Minnesota a lot last year. So that, that leaky offensive line, some of those issues there, he'll help cover for those. But his arm is, let's just say he he won't make all the throws. He won't. And that's where he, ha- that's where he started in L.A., is where we ask him to make certain throws, and a lot of those throws or floaters were ones that you're like, oh, how on earth did he even do that? And I mean that in a negative way. So he was able to go out and in the right offense in Minnesota do what he did. Now he's in Denver, and hey, you guys have struggled out there on offense for a while. How does he change the offense for you guys? What's the plan for him? And one more thing with that is how has the fan base responded to him signing with the team? Well, we'll start with the fan base. The fan base is happy that 
it's better than Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, in that case. I don't think they're thrilled. Uh, the guy they wanted at the start was Kirk Cousins. They were all in on Kirk Cousins. You saw all the, mm-hmm. the, the videos on Twitter and, and the screenshots of Vaughn liking Kirk Cousins stuff and the recruiting during the, 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 the offseason process. And that was the guy they wanted. And uh, certainly, I, I don't think there is a um, – it's, it's a moot, reserved judgment, I think, on Case Keenum. Because, uh, look, the bottom line is Case Keenum's going to get graded based on wins and losses. That's, that's the way it is. It's a results town here in Denver. It's a very high standard here in Denver. You need to be getting to the playoffs or else uh, you will be an outcast in Denver. And, unfortunately, the Paxton Lynch experiment has failed and crumbled under there. Uh, we'll see if he is a guy who can even prove himself as a pro now in the backup situation with Chad Kelly. But uh, Case Keenum, is, it's, it's a moot reserved feeling right now for the fan base. The the key guy for Denver this year and how the offense now builds around Case is, is going to be offensive coordinator Bill Musgrave and how Musgrave evolves the offense to the strengths of Case Keenum. Because when Mike McCoy was hired two years ago, that was that was the thing. That was he was going to be the guru to mold the offense to the strengths of Paxton Lynch to all these guys that Denver has, and he just never did that. He overcomplicated things, and and it just didn't gel. So Musgraves got to capture the strengths of Denver, and that's going to be Case and his ability to effectively throw those short passes, you know, and and move the sticks, keep his offense on the field, so that his defense, which is a strong point of Denver's, is is off the field and resting. You know, it's it's winning the field position battles and then taking certain shots in certain places. You know, I mean, we've been talking about how Emmanuel Sanders and, and Demarius Thomas are kind of getting over the hump there, but I, I don't want to discredit them in saying they're still quality wide receivers in this NFL. And so you may see so a little bit more explosiveness from uh, the rookies, Deshaun Hamilton coming in now, uh, Cortland Sutton. And then you are going to see a little bit of this uh, running back by committee, a little bit of juice from D'Angelo Henderson and uh, Devontae Booker still kind of seeing what he can provide. And then Royce Freeman coming in from Oregon. It's, it's trying to take all these pieces of the puzzle and, not running anything that's boring or bland, but understanding that you will have limitations. You talked about the limitations with, with Case Keenum. This is not going to be an aired out offense. This is not going to be an offense that goes five wide and, and wants to push the ball downfield, but certainly understanding that at certain points in times, you may consider that. You know, If you've got a running game that you've committed to and you're uh, uh, pushing for four, four and a half a carry into the second half, those linemen, those linebackers, those safeties, you're going to be drawn in and you may be able to take a deep shot or two. So uh, Bill Musgrave is a really important part of this offense moving forward as uh, he is everything. Because if this Denver team starts slow, the guy at the top is going to take the most heat and that obviously being Vance Joseph. Yeah, I think you guys will enjoy Case a little more than you expect. He, he plays so hard and, you know, you know – He's going to give it his all every play. And even though he has physical limitations, we watched him complete 19 straight passes one game, which was still one of the most wild things I've ever seen. And then in classic Rams fashion, he capped it off with a game-losing interception. But moving on from Case, were there any other moves (laughs) that the Broncos made in free agency and what were the best moves and maybe the worst moves, uh, if any, that you guys made? 
Well, I think their best one was Case Keenum. Uh, it was making sure that you're stable at the quarterback position, but we'll put that to the side for now. Uh, and let's talk about the defensive tackle, Clinton McDonald, who comes over from Tampa Bay. This is a team that uh, likes their beefy guys in the middle, uh, not only to rush the passer, but step up that run. And I think McDonald's a, a very underrated player. We talked to a couple beat writers on our afternoon drive show uh, regarding to uh, Clinton McDonald, and, and they loved McDonald, not only as a person, but as a player too. So on and off the field, and I think off field has been kind of this, this, this characteristic that Denver has looked at this year as well too, and McDonald brings that. And uh, this is a team that found a, a gem, you know, from the rough in uh, Shelby Harris last year, who who really helped them out inside. And I think McDonald brings that. Uh, Tremaine, Bach, Tremaine Brock, the uh, the corner they picked up is is good, solid depth. Uh, is is solid depth behind Bradley Roby in the idea that he is going to be uh, playing that nickel role and and and, and trying to. Um, bring a little bit more experience to that room now because you have such younger guys after Chris Harris. You know, for the longest time it was the no fly zone and all these veterans, and now you don't have that anymore. Roby's this is her, his first time starting, so this certainly is going to be uh, something that he you will work through the ups and downs with uh, with Bradley Roby. Jared Meldier, we'll see. You know, the guy's massive. He's six eight, three twenty. He's had injury issues. I, I think he's a guy that certainly could probably be better than what they've had on the right side. I mean, it's really been a just a rotating door at uh, offensive line on the right side for Denver over the past two, three years. And, and maybe you could even say years past, uh, just Peyton Manning kind of covered that up. So I, I think they were solid in free agency. They filled a lot of the holes that they needed to. That was kind of the theme this year is just filling a lot of the holes. They did the same in the draft, obviously. It would have been nice to see them look for a real solidification on the offensive line, particularly. Nate Solder was probably out of the running as far as price-wise. The price range was just a little too high, but boy, he wanted to come to Denver. And uh, in speaking with uh, Nate Solder before he signed, he said that Denver actually had no interest in it. And uh, I was always curious about that. The understanding was they did not want to move Garrett Bowles, last year's first-round draft pick, to the right side. Uh, because it's a lot harder, it's a lot more difficult than people think to move from left to right to put Nate Solder at left. You're not going to sign Nate Solder to put him at right, and you can't put him at left guard because you're moving Ron Leary back to left guard from his right guard position he played last year, which you're moving him back to his original position because I don't know why you moved him in the first place. So it's it's kind of this mishmash of trying to plug guys in in the right spot, and uh, certainly offensive line would have liked to see that. Because in the event, you know, you could see this kind of theme of bargain shop, Jared Valdir, bargain shop, you know, Tremaine Brock, Clinton McDonald, kind of scraps from other teams. And they're scraps for a reason. And I don't mean that in a, in a, a discrediting negative way, just they weren't guys retained by their original team. So there's a reason why they're being let go. You can even say Case Keenum is the same exact thing. So in the event where these guys, you know, they ball out and they're, they're great players, <laughs> that's fantastic. But you could also see this falling apart very, very quickly too. Okay, we're, we gotta, we're, we're going to bring this all together here. You, you've talked about the quarterback. You're talking about moving on the defense, draft picks. Where do the Broncos finish in 2018 right now? Where do you see them going? 
can they compete for a playoff spot even the AFC West? We want the uh, the the very 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 early predictions. <laughs> you know, somewhere around the eight and eight, nine and seven realm. Uh, this is a team that uh, I, I think the AFC West is going to take a step back, which is going to help Denver a lot. Obviously, Alex Smith departing the division, um, but but this just doesn't scream like a ten. 11, 12 win team. I, I just don't know if they have enough talent at the quarterback position. And I don't know if there's enough competency that has been shown yet from the head coaching staff um, and the rest of their staff to get there. And that's a big problem that's kind of loomed over this whole offseason is the fact that, you know, it's great that you get a Cortland Sutton in the draft, but do you trust the offensive coaching staff under Vance Joseph? to be you know inserting him in the right spot and you could say the same thing about defensive players so uh, this is a better team certainly they are not a five win team like they were last year although you could say that if things go really really wrong and you're firing coach mid-season then the whole season is a disaster but i do think they're somewhere in the eight and eight nine and seven realm. all right well ronnie uh you had a lot of great information for us hey the rams are going to be playing Broncos this year we'd yeah. love to have you back on for that you know that midweek to check in with you absolutely 100 all right guys you can find ronnie on twitter at ronnie k radio or head over to mile high sports to find more of his work obviously he's a busy guy you're, you're listening to him talk to us from Coors Field as he's covering the rockies and angels tonight again go halos and uh we look forward to catching up with you again soon thanks guys appreciate it all right thanks for thanks coming, for coming on. on ronnie Steve, we saw the Broncos last year a bit. They uh, they they have issues. I, f- I felt defensively they were fairly strong, offensively a, a train wreck. I wish we would have had a little more time with him because I really wanted to ask him about two things, Paxton Lynch, what on earth happened with him, and then also Josh Allen went to school an hour and a half north at Wyoming. They didn't want him. I mean, they, if they wanted they went and got him. He was there. And uh, I'm really – I really wonder about that. I really do. They must – they must have. They, they knew. They, they knew some things. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, Bradley Chubb is a monster. Yes, and he is. You can get him at five. I think you do it. I think that you know they have Case Keenum on a two-year deal. We know what we're gonna get with Case Keenum. He's fine. Uh, you mentioned Paxton Lynch. I think they're out on Paxton Lynch. But what I've been seeing from my limited interactions on the web with Bronco fans, some people like Chad Kelly. Uh, shout out to Last Chance U on Netflix. Jack Kelly went to that school. But he's, I don't know, I guess people like him. But I think when quarterback isn't a pressing need and you don't love, like you're not in love with the quarterbacks that are available, you take the best player available, especially if it's a guy that could have gone number one if the team at number one wasn't trying to take a quarterback. So I don't fault them for not taking Josh Allen. I don't necessarily think it's on Josh Allen that he didn't go there. But I think Chubb is really good. And with uh, with uh, Cleveland passing on him, which was an all right move too, but I think you got to take him there, especially if your quarterback, while pressing, isn't a thing that needs to be addressed right now. Well, I mean, Cleveland had reasons for passing on Bradley Chubb. There actually were pretty good reasons, by the way. But yeah, like I said, I, I didn't think it was a terrible I, um, move. But, but I look at more. Yes, two. Like, I actually agree with you. Two things here: you have Chubb there, this monster. And then you're not sold on Allen. And to be honest, they could they, if they were sold on on Josh Rosen, they'd take him too. Yeah. So they weren't sold on either. They there were too many holes in what they saw, and they went with the sure thing. And to me, that's what Bradley Chubb is. He's just sure thing. He's going to be right away causing problems. Typical of what the Denver Broncos defense is meant to do. And 
I actually I, I agree with him. I think they're going to be like an eight and eight, nine and seven team. The the AFC West is. Uh, I don't think it's improved. I think it's worse next year. Yeah, I, I think I did. If I had to pick, I'd probably give them seven and nine, maybe. I just I have no confidence in Vance Joseph. I it wasn't all his fault last year, but I he did nothing to impress me at all. Well, one more thing before we we uh, pass over to, to our sponsor and our next guest, I do want to, I do want to say this though. I really honestly believe that Paxton Lynch never really had a fair shot in Denver. Like who do they bring in to help develop him? Who do they bring in to, to teach him the, the craft? Who's I think there? that's fair. I, I I think the the whole situation was a mess, but also because of how big of a mess it is, he hasn't seen the field in two years. Uh, he started here and there, but I think if he showed improvements, but I still agree with you that there wasn't anyone to develop him or teach him the ropes. But you know, it's kind of on him too, in that he hasn't earned a shot. Well, I mean, there that's obviously personal responsibility. But I'm just saying that hey, you know, no one's gonna you don't just figure out how to be a pro in the NFL on your own. Yeah, I mean you. There's a reason why quarterbacks will sit for a year or two, especially if they come out early. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're going to see Mayfield sitting there first. And who they bring in, who was there? Peyton Man retires. Uh, Trevor and, Simeon, know. Mark Sanchez. Mark, butt fumble? Yeah, I think yeah. Mark Sanchez was the guy they brought in, and then uh, they just ended up going with Simeon, and they cut him. Yeah, not the right guy. Okay. Let's give a shout-out to our original sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop out there at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. If you're looking to support the Orange County, if you're looking for an old-school barbershop experience, this is the place you want to go to. Sal Martinez opened his shop as a shrine of the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis, and he kept the lights on every day until they came back. He's available by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 714-894-7267. Use our promo code RAMSTALK. Tell him we sent you so he knows that he can give you a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, that's the Golden Ram Barbershop. Call Sal Martinez, 714-894-7267. Give him a visit to his shop. It's worth it. You're going to talk some Rams. You're going to see some memorabilia. It's an old-school barbershop. You're going to have a good experience. Trust me, guys, you won't regret it. Sal even managed to make Derek and Norm's heads look pretty good, so you got to give him credit there. Somewhat. Somewhat good. Also, hey, we are looking for sponsors for 2018. Uh, this is a great, inexpensive way to get the word out on your business. Our numbers are growing super fast. No joke, folks. So give us an email at ramstot1945 at gmail.com. Getting in early will save you some money. All right, our next guest. He's from thebearsbrothers.com. Brandon Hazley co-hosts the podcast over there. He brings his unique perspective to the Bears football community. Brandon, you there? Yeah, how are we doing, guys? Well, doing good. Thanks for coming on. It's, it's a wonderful day full of joy and cheer. How about you? Good. Just another day another day in paradise. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> another day in paradise. <laughs> okay, well, what have the Bears done to improve this offseason? We know they've been busy, so what'd they do? First of all, I just want to say I was looking back at the last time uh, the Bears and the Rams played. It was back when you guys were in St. Louis. So I just went back and looked to see who was on the Man, do not on the, uh, the stat sheet uh, there. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. But half, our offense on the stat sheet isn't even here, which is kind of funny. No more Jay Cutler, no more Jeremy Langford, Kadeem Carey, Zach Miller, Alshon Jeffrey, Martellus Bennett, or Marquise Wilson. So it's been an overhaul in this rebuild, to say the least. But they added Allen Robinson in free agency, which was a big pickup. He had 1,400 receiving yards. Uh, in 2015, which something the Bears have needed uh, basically throughout all their history as a reliable receiver because, needless to say, there hasn't been one. Uh, 
if you want to say Brandon Marshall or Marty Booker, that's fine. Uh, but they need a reliable receiver. So they brought in uh, Allen Robinson there to help that void. They brought in the speedy Taylor Gabriel from Atlanta uh, to help there as well. And also Trey Burton, the tight end from uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. He's only missed three games. Uh, he catches 70% of the passes thrown his way. So he's really like a, a football magnet out there. So they've really brought in the weapons to help the second-year quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, uh, try and get some weapons in a new offense here with new coach Matt Nagy as well. Yeah, Brandon, first of all, happy to have you on. I went to school at Marquette, so I dealt with Bears fans for a while. And uh, all those games that we played against the Bears in college did not go well. So <laughs> that was not fun. And it, it, it kind of hates me to say, because I know all these people might be listening, Matt, I kind of like what the Bears have done this offseason. Do you think there's still room to improve on the roster? And you think that this offense is led by Trubisky, capable enough to get them contending for a playoff spot? Uh, I think a playoff spot is a stretch in the first year. Um, I think that with Matt Nagy and offense quitter Mark Helfrich, who was the head coach at Oregon while Marcus Mariota was there, uh, I think all these pieces combined, uh, Matt Nagy's talked about in all his press conferences about uh, collaborating and really working together as a whole unit staff, as well as the players together, just trying to get the best game plan together in place. And I think with all that communication, uh, it's really going to lead to uh, some good things in offense. I personally think there's going to be some kinks along the way. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a playoff team right away, but I really like where this team's headed, especially with all the, the weapons that Trubisky has to work with, like I mentioned uh, earlier with Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they've got three or four tight ends, Deion Sims, Adam Shaheen, Trey Burton, and Daniel Brown, who's also was an ex-receiver as well. So there's plenty of depth at tight end, uh, which is weird to say because these receiver positions just haven't really been deep for the Bears at all. Uh, so I really think just adding the weapons combined with Mark Helfrich as the offensive coordinator along with Matt Nagy, there will be some kings along the way, but I'm not sure that it'll be a playoff team, but I really like where it's headed. Well, tell us about this draft. I've, I'm just seeing lots of really, really good reviews on this draft how did you guys feel about it do you do you see this draft as being like the one that turns the corner for the bears uh, what were their best and worst picks yeah I, i'm a real big fan of this draft i was like real hesitant to give this like draft an a because i didn't want to be like too much of a homer you know but then you kind of look at what everyone else has listed and it was a a minus b plus a so i don't i don't feel as bad saying that you know i think this was an a as well uh roquan smith linebacker out of georgia uh, he was a guy that the Bears have had issues at inside linebacker as far as uh, durability issues. Uh, Jarrell Freeman had PED problems last year. Uh, he ended up retiring uh, a couple days ago. Uh, Dan Trevathan, uh, formerly with the Broncos, you guys are just talking with uh, Ronnie about the Broncos. He's had uh, durability issues. Uh, Nick Wachowski, a guy they drafted in the fourth round uh, a couple years ago, uh, he's had some durability issues, and he hasn't necessarily had his chance to play uh, over because Jarrell Freeman was there as well. And then there were guys like John Timu, who's good, uh, but just the town isn't quite there. And then they had uh, uh, Christian Jones, he's with the Lions now, uh, was another solid guy. But again, just not all that reliable. So they brought in Roquan Smith, a guy who's going to be a leader, a guy who's going to be that that dog that they like to talk about, uh, that mentality that they've sort of brought here to Chicago. That's one that I really, really like. I think they nailed that eighth pick. James Daniels, the offensive lineman, this was a position that I think really needed to be addressed uh, for the Bears because uh, they released Josh Sitton because uh, he was getting a little older. Uh, so now that left guard was was a hole. Uh, and they could have put the center Cody Whitehair over there, played Jaronis Grassi, our backup center. Uh, but what really concerns me then is Cody Whitehair in the game against Tampa Bay, he's played you know, center, left guard, and right guard all in one game, which is really kind of impressive. Uh, but we don't want to see that happen again if something were to happen. So there needed to be depth. And that's why they got James Daniels out of Iowa. Uh, 6'3", 306, I believe, is what he weighs in at. And he can play either center or guard as well. So uh, 
offensive line coach Harry Heastan is going to have uh, really his, his hands full on trying to decide where these guys are going to play and uh, where their strengths are at. And that's really what Harry Heastan's done. I've heard he's been called one of the best offensive linemen coaches in the game. So that's really exciting. And then Anthony Miller, this was a guy that I really, really love. Again, adding depth to the wide receiver position to give to Mitch Trubisky. Uh, because it's also weird speaking to new head coach uh, Matt Nagy here. Uh, he's what, way more open with the media than John Fox was. So when he's saying that, you know, this guy's going to play the Y wide receiver, Y tight end and, you know, zebra position, you know, you got to start looking all this stuff up because you never heard John Fox say that. Uh, so when they brought in Anthony Miller, he's a, he's, he's a playmaker. He's going to go get those 50, 50 balls. He's got, he's got a chip on his shoulder because he, he, he walked on at Memphis. He never got a, a D one scholarship. He thought he deserved one. So he walked on at Memphis, ended up uh, being the leading receiver there his last two seasons, uh, really just a playmaker, adjusts well, runs routes well. He's just a hard worker and brings that mentality that, that the Bears are looking for. Our fourth-round pick, Joel, we're going to call him Iggy because I still have not mastered his last name yet. Um, he's going to be a guy that's uh, he plays downhill well, which is something that all the Bears linebackers do, play downhill. Uh, he's just going to continue to bring that mentality. And the Bears are weak at pass rusher. I think that's the position that they try. That's also why they brought in Blyle Nichols out of Delaware, the fifth-round pick. Linebacker Kylie Fitz again, just because the linebacker position's weak. And then Javon Sims, the wide receiver out of Georgia as well, just again to add more depth to try and solidify the back end of the roster for Trubisky and these receivers. So you mentioned you obviously enjoyed the draft. What Was there any pick in there that surprised you, or was there any uh, picks that the Bears didn't make that you might have expected them to address? The Anthony Miller pick was one that uh, I was really excited for because the Bears didn't have a third-round pick, and we were kind of sitting around, you know, kind of wondering, you know, are, are we done for the night or what's going to happen? And as soon as we wrapped up our our podcast after James Daniels, the Bears were back on the clock and the pick was in. So we were like, all right, we, you know, something's going on. We're excited to do this, you know. Uh, so that was the one that really excited me. As far as any that I'm I'm not a fan of, um, I wouldn't have gone with Kylie Fitz there in the sixth, uh, just because I think that. With Roquan Smith, I think that that linebacker position is now solidified with as many of us on the roster. Uh, just one that I'm not necessarily a fan of just for the depth purposes. I think it could be spent otherwhere, uh, other places. Because Ryan Pace is pretty good on these day three picks. I'm just not sure that that was the right fit uh, at that time. I'm wondering a little bit about Mitch Trubisky. The Bears defense okay. carried the team last year. Do the Bears now have their franchise quarterback in Trubisky or is the jury still out? What do you need to see from him in 2018? I need to see his completion percentage improve. It needs to get up over 60%, in my opinion. I think he is going to be the franchise guy. Uh, he works hard. Uh, he, I think he's really going to excel in this offense because uh, he ran a lot of shotgun uh, at North Carolina. didn't run anything under center, and a, a lot of that's going to come uh, with Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich. He's going to a lot of run a shotgun, a lot of RPO, a lot of stuff he's familiar with that he ran at North Carolina. Uh, but I really just need to see his completion percentage grow. And reduce that uh, touchdown to interception ratio. I believe it was one to one, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, that completion percentage is a big thing for me because those are just missed opportunities left on the field. You know, I got to say about this offseason for the Bears, kind of similar to the Rams last year. You got rid of one of the old guard head coaches. You brought in a young, up and coming offensive guru. You had a young quarterback who didn't really get a chance to play until the city was under fire and a young running back who while he still looked pretty good it was slightly underwhelming compared to his first year so you never know maybe they make the kind of league we made last year I guess overall how would you grade this offseason and what are your overall expectations now going into the season after what I think was a solid offseason 
Yeah, I think it was a very solid offseason as well. And a lot of things that we've been hearing over here in Chicago, we've been making a lot of comparisons uh, to you guys and the Rams over there. Like, we're going to kind of follow in those footsteps. Same with Eagles. We're all kind of taking similar paths here, so that's kind of cool. Um, if I were to give it a grade, I'd, I'd give it a B plus, A minus. I think they filled a lot of needs, really filled in the offense, which last year under uh, Dow Loggins as offensive coordinator and John Fox head coach, it was really just black and white. It was just so predictable. We knew they were going to run the ball on first down. It's going to be either then an outside run or a short pass on second down, put you in third long, and you know they're going to pass. So the defense is going to send all the blitzers. And as good as I think that our offensive line was, uh, it's improved this year, and now they're in a position where we're not going to necessarily be in third and longs all the time. Uh, so I think with all the additions, I, I give it a B plus, A minus grade for the offseason. Hey, I got I haven't briefed Derek on this question, but this is a Rams podcast. So I got to ask you one question that I can almost guarantee you will not be asked for the rest of the year. How <laughs> okay. do you think Benny Cunningham performed last season? How do you feel about him? Uh, will he have a solid role <laughs> in the offense moving forward? <laughs> Uh, that's interesting because because <laughs> Benny Cunningham was our third down back because Jordan Howard does not have the best hands out of the backfield. And when you're put in these third long situations, that really forces you to put as many receivers as you can on the field. Uh, so insert Benny Cunningham, uh, who was the most reliable uh, pass catcher that we had out of the backfield. And he caught uh, Pat O'Donnell's fake punt. Uh, for a touchdown against the Vikings on Monday Night Football. So he is the receiver for the only guy who had a perfect passer rating last year. Uh, fun fact, right? Uh, so I don't necessarily know that he's going to play a, play a big role. I think he's going to play, uh, especially because he's going to be battling Tariq Cohen for a similar position where they're going to be, I think they're going to be used mostly for in the screen game. Uh, Benny Cunningham's a little little quicker than Jordan Howard is. He's got better hands, and Tariq Cohen's going to be put in a similar position. So he's going to have to battle Tariq Cohen for, for some solid playing time, I think. Well, it's good to hear that he's doing well. I know one of our writers, Johnny, is a probably the biggest Benny Cunningham fan on earth that's not related to him. So I uh, had to throw him a bone. But I also love Benny. And I will say that Todd Gurley had his breakout season after we just eliminated the third down back. So I don't know what that says about Benny. But I, I hope uh, he continues. I think to. it says more about the improved Rams offensive line than anything like that. I, I agree. I agree. I, and, you know, Brandon, the um, – I'll tell you this, Benny Cunningham, he can he can be your starter out there, and he'd be an over thousand yard rusher. I kid you not, especially in the weather out there in Chicago. And it's a shame that uh, no team has really given that opportunity yet because he actually could be a feature back somewhere. I kid you not, I'm not lying. He could have been a feature back for the Rams, and the Rams went, decided to go a little flashier and go for the one they felt was more of a sure thing. But you got yourself. A I, good I don't one. doubt you. Yeah, uh, I don't doubt you. I mean, he's really shown some glimpses of being a good with vision got good speed good hands i put him up behind the right offensive line i mean here in chicago he could do it uh, it's just he's battling with jordan howard for that spot and he you know it just really depends on what they want to do but he can make plays and he's he's versatile he'll, he's your swiss army knife of a kind of guy he's not he's not going to blow you with speed but he'll he'll flash you something there that makes you know you'll just sit back on him and it just kind of to this day it bothers me the rams let him go because they're back up since he's been gone well, let's just say that they it doesn't do exist better. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, they bring in Lance, Rams Brian Lance Dunbar. What he do? He sat in the bench all year injured. So his backup is a white towel that we will wave on the field if he ever gets injured and can't go back out there. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. Okay, so my last question for you is this: Given the division you're in, you're in a division with the Vikings here, the Lions are they're, they're going to be tough. Packers and Lord knows what the Packers are going to do. They, they, they seem to fall apart when Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. So tell me this: 
Is there a shot, an outside shot, the Bears can compete in that division this year? Yeah, um, I, it's an outside shot because um, the Vikings are, are very tough. They have the, one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, the Lions are improving. They got Matt Patricia as their head coach. That'll be another tough uh, defensive unit over there in Detroit. Uh, I think Green Bay is kind of on the on the downhill here. Um, they they seen that the Bears brought in all these these receivers and they drafted a lot of corners. Uh, I think to try and counter that. Uh, so then we drafted Anthony Miller on top of that just to kind of add it added to the fun there, which I thought was interesting. But uh, I think there's an outside shot. I don't necessarily like the chances of being at the top of the division, unfortunately, because under John Fox, the Bears never got out of the basement. Uh, so I'd like to at least see him get third and start slowly climbing their way up. And I think that there's it's possible, but it, it's an outside chance to compete for the top spot. Is there any hope for Kevin White? Uh, it depends who you talk to. It seems like here in Chicago, uh, there's got to be some media controversy over one player, uh, whether it's Jake Cutler or Kevin White. Uh, he's the recent one. Uh, I, I like to give him a chance. You know, he's only made, I think he's played four games and had nine receptions or something like weird like that. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to label him a bust quite yet. He's got a new head coach here to, the, to try and work with. Yeah, fingers crossed, exactly. He's got a new head coach here to work with. He's he's shown hope in him. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him one last chance. Uh, I'm I I think it's pretty close to being over, but I'm gonna give him one last shot. Well, the Bears need all the help they can get. So <laughs> right, can, you know, I, I don't mean that offensively. It's just like, uh, well, I mean you're not offense. wrong. Right, I mean you're not wrong. The wide receiver position for the Bears has just been it's been weak since uh, Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey and Marty Bennett were there. So it's they oh, need help. Trust me, we know bad offense. Okay. <laughs> 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 Todd Gurley said we're running a middle school offense with Jeff Fisher. I mean, and he's not, he wasn't wrong either. He so was not wrong. No bad offense. And, and uh, you know, so I it, I think right now the Bears, they, to me, if I'm looking five years down the line, that's the team I'm watching in the NFC North. That's the team. That oh, I'm absolutely. Yeah. I'm known on the podcast as, as Mr. Patient. Uh, since we started in 2015, I said, we just got to kind of wait this out, wait this out. And sure enough, I think we're starting starting to turn the corner. So my patience is starting to starting to show itself here. Hey, man, I'm a Sixers fan. Let me tell you, patience is worth it. Maybe not, <laughs> maybe process, not over the right? last week, but over the last year, definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Trust the process. Trust the Trust process. The process. <laughs> I've got nothing. All right, folks. <laughs> you can check out Brandon's podcast at thebearbros.com. You can follow him at bhazit, B-H-A-Z-I-E-T-T. Great guest for us to have on the show. Thanks for coming on, Brandon. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time. And uh, I guess we'll be seeing each other this season. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And I'm uh, looking forward to bringing you guys on our podcast as well. Well, hey, Thanks for coming on, man. Love the website name, by the way. Thank yeah, you. I, I got to compliment you, man. I, I I perused the website earlier today uh, just to just to, because perusing is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like what you guys have done over there, and and uh, that, that's good stuff, man. I, you guys are going to get great feature in this business. Thank you so much. I'll make sure to pass that along to the rest of the guys. All right, thanks, All right, man. guys. So again, that was Brandon Hazel over from thebearbros.com. What are your final thoughts on the Bears this year, Steve? I just said it mostly. I think. That they're really the team to watch. I'm I that defense is looking scary. If they can develop Trubisky, I you know I, I'll be a little more enthusiastic actually than than Brandon was. I'll say I think that if Trubisky takes that next step and that offense does come together, they're going to surprise the league this year. Yeah, I think it, it it is a tough division. It's 
going to be tough to compete for a playoff spot, but I would have said the same thing about us last year. Mm-hmm. So obviously the Trubisky factor is huge. I mean, look, I, I went to college with a lot of Bears fans, so I talked a lot of crap about the Bears for a while. But I mean, in terms of just having like a game plan and getting a young influx of talent and having a direction, I like I genuinely like where they're going, and I think that we will see some improvements this year. How drastically the improvements come may be resting on Trubisky's shoulders, and it's it'll be slow. But if maybe he comes out swinging, that's Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller's in there now, Trey Burton, Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen. Those are weapons. Uh, they they could come out and surprise people. Yeah, I wouldn't predict them to make the plus, but I think they're a, a tough eight and eight. I would guess a, a well, tough out. Well, let's just think about this for a minute, okay? And we'll talk to the Lions, and we're going to talk to the Packers this week as well. The Packers have been kind of moving downhill a little bit, and they showed that when Rodgers went down. Then you have, Yeah, but like you said, Rodgers went down. Okay, well, he's... Can't fault him for not having he's Rodgers. He's 30s, man. He's not going to stay healthy 100% of the time, right? Okay, then you have the Lions. The Lions, well... I look at them and I say, they're up and down. They don't have a running game. They can't run block for crap. So their defense kind of keeps them in gains, but they still, they've never developed that. They've never gone to the next step. Then I look at the Vikings and go, okay, that, that team's built for now. They're, they, they're ready to go, but they just signed $84 million guaranteed to Cousins. That will kill their salary cap in a couple of years. We know that. We've seen it firsthand with what happened to the Rams. That will kill their salary cap, and we can't forget. And so I'm looking at what the Bears are doing. They have Trubisky under control. They have a bunch of young guys, talent around them, and I'm really liking that. I'm digging it. And I think that if they can come together, if we can see some movement with Trubisky, that defense is young. It's very good. It reminds me of some of those older, bigger defenses. I think that they're a team to look out for, and it would not surprise me to see these our Rams go up to Chicago and get upset because the Bears always give them, always give them a hard time. I know. I went to the game. I think the last time they played at Soldier was at 2012. That was not a fun game, but also not a fun season. I, I, you know, I think we will beat the Bears, hopefully, but that is definitely a trap game. And I think they will look good. I, I do think Detroit is always flaky. Um, I'm not ready to, Minnesota, I think, is the clear favorite. And I, I don't think the Kirk Cousins contract will harm as much as you think it's, it's big, but it's only three years. It, it'll hamper them a little, but, you're going to have to pay a quarterback at some point. We're going to have to do it at some point. Uh, Green Bay, as long as Aaron Rodgers is on the field, I'm not counting them out of any game. I know that the rest of their team is falling off. I, I didn't love their offseason at all. But it, it, if number 12 is out there, I'm giving them a shot no matter who they're playing. All right, but let's back up to the Vikings here. Three years, $84 million, almost all of it or all of it's guaranteed. Yeah, you're saying, well, it's only a three-year deal. Then what after, what, what's after that? And they either have to develop a quarterback between now and then, or guess what? They're going back in the free agent market, or they're going to wind up paying Cousins more money to stay again. So it's not so cut and dry. And again, you're right. The Rams will have that same problem here very soon with Goff. And, and that, that's why I, that's why I went off about the the Cousins deal on the podcast. I was like, are you serious? You just killed the entire salary cap structure for every team in the league with that, with that deal. Thank you, Minnesota jerks. All right. <laughs> so, okay, so we're almost done here. We do have... Again, another sponsor. It's just about summertime. Steve gets excited here. He just knocks microphones over with this stuff. In summertime, Very okay? excited. Southern California, sun, hot weather, visits to the pool. Well, if you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, check out Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Modeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. Home of the Angels. Go Halos. 
Jayhawk pool plastering remodeling serves Orange County and the Southland and are run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Ram John Hawk. He built his business on a mantra of fantastic results and amazing customer service. Just head on over to jayhawkpools.com and take a look at their work. You can see the quality of their finishes and the testimonies provided by fast, by fast, I, well, they empty fast, but past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, give Jayhawk a call at 714-695-0700. Again, that's 714-695-0700. You could also email them at info at jayhawkpools.com. Folks, this is a great opportunity to both support our podcast and help fellow members of the Rams family. If you live out in the area, give Jayhawk Pool Plaster a call. You'll be glad you did. Okay, so we're going to wrap up here. And just kind of finishing the show off, we, we talked, we, we're doing this tour in the league, and we cannot forget we are Rams Podcast. So, shout out to Benny Cunningham. Yeah. I didn't forget. I mean, you didn't. Okay, yeah. All, props to that. You did. <laughs> Although you start veering off in a 76er land sometimes. Ah, asking the important questions, oh. mentioning the. The relevant teams. You do realize that, like, Lakers and Clippers fans listen to the show. Like, Dodgers and Angels fans listen to the show. Are we sure that Clippers fans exist? They do. Okay. Shout and out to the Clippers fans. And it's not over there, you know, Magic Fairyland. Either. They're real. They're, they're real fans. They... Hey, Billy Crystal, great example. No, true. And shout out to any Clipper fans listening. You made out like bandits in the Blake Griffin trade. Future's looking brighter. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And that the team is uh, was once an embarrassment. Now they're a team to watch. And yeah, even though they're in a weird place, but they have a lot of flexibility moving forward. When you're in a weird place, that's the most important thing. All right. So he's. By the way, in case you couldn't tell, little Stevie here's a uh, an NBA nut. So, anyways, it's off season. I, I'm I'm in another sport world right now. Oh. Uh, you know, come back to this one. So, the Rams are starting to gear up their roster program. We're going to get a feel here real shortly about these rookies. So, what are you lo- hoping to see in OTAs here? Uh, these rookies and everybody else for that matter. Well, the most important thing for me is after last season, I want to see Jared Goff throwing a lot of passes to Brandon Cooks. We need that rapport built up quickly. Uh, we need it to exist. And I I just really, I think, continue improvement from him. Obviously, the defensive OTAs will be a little weird. We know Aaron Donald not going to be present, right? Not until the contract's done. Well, who knows? He didn't come for volunteers earlier, but you never know if he'll show up later or not. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. Well, I mean, the defense, I, the guys we brought in are mostly vets. I don't think the OTAs are going to matter a ton for the, the new guys there. The Obviously, the influx of talent we brought in interior besides Sue, Micah Kaiser, Obana. I don't want to pronounce his last name until I know how to pronounce Rockwell? it. Rockwell? Ivana Okarakwo, yes. Oh my Beautiful. gosh. <laughs> I didn't have it in front of me. I <laughs> Folks, he's on the East Coast. He's tired. We'll you know we'll we'll, hold, we'll give him some we'll give him some mercy. Wait, Oba, yeah, I Oba Okarakwo. Come on, man. Okay. I I'm say, good, say three times fast. Let's go. Three times Ivana Okarakwo. They're new guys. But I, I'm most excited to see Jared Goff throwing because I think our defense will be fine. I think our offense will be fine, but the sophomore slump exists. And since we kind of consider Jared Goff's last season to be his real first season, he could slump a little this year. I don't think he will, but I want him to get a nice rapport with Brandon Cooks going as quickly as possible so we avoid the chemistry problems that plagued Sammy Watkins and him last year. I think the sophomore slump exists to a degree. It really depends on how much time Jared Goff has spent this offseason really honing his craft. 
if he's gone out there and honed his craft this year and he's out there with his receivers working, if he's learning even more things in the playbook, if he's working on mechanics and getting the footwork even better, then he's going to blow up. There's too many weapons on that offense for him not to blow up. But that is one thing I want to see. I want to, I want to see that. I want to see Cooks and Goff. I want to see throws and throws and throws and throws. I, that You're right. You're dead on. Another thing I want to see, I want to see what Micah Kaiser does in the middle there. That's where they're going to put I want to see him in there immediately. I want to see him moving to the line of scrimmage, tackling people, stopping the run. I want to see him getting involved in that, that playbook right away. And I'm with you also. I want to see how Okoronkwo. <laughs> I got in your head. Yeah, you did. Okoronkwo um, actually does get involved. But there's another thing here, too. And it, it, we saw it in how the draft went. I want to see these rookie offensive linemen. I want to see Demby. I want to see... Uh, <sighs> I want to see Nopu. I want to see these guys learning their craft. I want to see, I want to hear, because we won't see them in the gym. I want to hear about them getting in the gym, becoming the gym rats that we know the rest of the offensive and defensive lines are. If they do these things, if we hear about the Rams getting better, you know, trust in the process, right? You said earlier, and yep. doing those little things, this team's going to be just fine next year. That if they hold back the Regos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited about the to see the linemen. I think getting Kaiser and Okoronkwo in the fifth round really made me feel better about those picks because I thought those would have been the positions we should address first. But I think you bring in these two guys, it's good for them because they're not going to be put in a position where they need to start right away. But also, if they're wowing people in camp and wowing people in the preseason, those spots are up for the taking if they're good enough. And I think also it'll push Sullivan and the rest of the guys to – earn those spots and keep them and you know no one's gonna be slacking off i think there's gonna be a lot of fun battles in that offseason offensive lineman in this offseason and preseason and i think it might not be the same five as we saw last year it might be the same either way i i'm confident in that position for this season which is rare talking about confidence in the rams offensive line before the season starts i am actually i feel you know Norman, then they call me, you know, the Debbie Downer of the, of the podcast, and I guess there's some truth to it, but I am confident that the culture has changed. I like what I'm seeing in terms of how they are rebuilding and, and fixing the, the roots of this team. I don't think we're going to have another another time like we had. Like, dude, going back, going all the way back to 1989, from 1989, so 1990 to 2016, that's 26 years, right? Am I counting that right? 26 years. I saw... I saw what one two three four winning seasons four over 26 years only the browns are worse than the freaking browns you know it's, and I, I i think those days are over i think the rams have figured it out they set the foundation right they have the right mindset going in there and i'm really i'm really waiting to see will these rookies buy in which i think they will and i want to hear more what you're saying in the position battles and how people sell in yeah, and people forget that if it wasn't for that little three-year stretch, we we would have had the biggest joke of uh, 20 years in the history of the NFL. But luckily, we managed to make two Super Bowls and win win them in between there. But yeah, the culture's definitely changed. Uh, the new regime, I have full confidence. I have full confidence in Wade. Uh, the defense, while there's some egos, I, I'm not really concerned. I think that they'll all adapt to each other. They're all going to have roles. They're not going to be losing playing time. Um, but yeah, offensively, I think the offensive line position battles, like I mentioned, will be interesting. And, of course, the chemistry between Goff and Cooks that we, we need to see sooner than later. It's going to be fun. It, it's weird going into a season with expectations, man. It's bizarre. It's been a long time. It's Well, yeah, it's like I've entered 
the Twilight Zone, and, and I'm hoping that in the end, what we what we get is we get a team that at least strives to meet those expectations. I don't want a team that quits. I don't want a team that that blows up and goes eight and eight, seven and nine, and and that's possible. We've seen teams stack up these quote unquote dream teams and blow up. If I you know, I'll, I'll talk I'll talk NBA ish to you. I'll speak a little bit more of the NBA ish language. I remember the the original super team was not the Heat. It wasn't it wasn't um, Golden State. It, it wasn't any of those teams. You know who it was? It was the 2004 Lakers. And they went out and added Carl Malone in the mix. That was when they were trying to do this whole you know Gary Payton. That old crickety bunch was supposed to dominate the league. They they went to the finals and the Pistons smashed them and embarrassed them. And that team never looked right the entire year. Yeah. And this could be a 10 and 6 team that does okay, um, but they never get together and they, and they make the playoffs and get smashed. I hope not. And I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, folks. Don't don't send me emails telling me <laughs> this is what you're predicting. Don't don't tell and get on Twitter and say I'm I'm expressing some of the same fan anxiety that anybody else who has half a brain is going to be thinking because when you see these guys get together, you're going to think you got to handle the egos. You have to there's always in the back of your mind thinking this might not work and it might not work. But I'll tell you what, I'm glad they tried it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the 04 Lakers I think that's a little bit more similar to the the Dream Team Eagles, which was a team where at the brink, at the end of a long run, tensions were rising, and they brought in a bunch of stars that uh, little did they know were on the tail, were on the end of their careers, and everything just blew up. Guys were fired, guys quit. The good thing for us is that unlike Shaq and Kobe at that point. I think Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald are friends, and they enjoy each other's presence. So I I think that while you can compare it to a lot of those Dream Team scenarios and whatnot, this is a team that it's young, they're hungry, they haven't tasted the glory yet. They've they've only got a little sniff of it, but they haven't really they haven't made any impact in the playoffs yet. They lost their only playoff game. These guys they want it. I think the vets that they brought in, even if it blows up a little bit. I can't imagine all – like I can't imagine it would be something that would infect the whole culture of the team and I think it would be more on an individual basis where if – let's say – I'm not saying this happened. Let's say Akeem Tlaib isn't happy and is enjoying himself. Just bench him and maybe cut him if they have to. I don't think it's – they don't have a long-term investment in really any of these guys. I would like Peters and Cooks to have one, but I think a lot of the new guys are on shorter-term deals and if it doesn't work out – I don't think it's going to have a ripple effect. They need something to work out, though. I I think it's all going to work out. Trade all those draft picks and and for nothing. You you need at least Brandon Cooks to me. That has to work out. I'm talking like doomsday scenarios. I think it's all going to work out. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Okay. So it's time for us to sign off. But one more thing before we have to go, before we go, because it's been bugging me the entire podcast. Steve, are you wearing a Garfield t-shirt? I am. Yeah. Shout out the fat cat. All right. That's all I need to know. Okay. <laughs> hey, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams or on Facebook. You can go to Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. Don't forget, we also have a group. Facebook has done this algorithm thing that's really kind of messed us up a bit. And so if you really want to engage with us more, join the group. Okay. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paula Steve. Where are you on Twitter? I'm at Steve Ribeiro. Obviously, follow the Rams Talk pages. Uh, keep an eye on my Twitter. I got, we'll have some Rams articles coming soon, obviously. Uh, fantasy football stuff over at Roto Baller. So follow me if you want to. I'll follow back if you tell me. Yeah, follow him back. Okay, don't forget some iTunes. We, again, those those reviews really help us out. They move us up the charts. It gets us, you know, if you like the show, 
please go ahead and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. We're also on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, and, and of course, IE Beat Radio. So, that's it for tonight. We'll get back here with you shortly. We have some huge interviews coming up. Huge interviews. But in the meantime, for Steve Ribeiro, this is Derek C. Apollo. We'll see you this weekend. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history still in the making? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history still in the making? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.